Welcome to Why Sew, the podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is Elizabeth Beck, the founder at Tandem Quilting Company, and she has quite a unique story, and I'm super happy that she's on today and sharing with us why she sews. So, Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yes, I have been a quilter now for 30 plus years. I did not start until my late 20s and then did other things along the way, but started my own company in 2009. And that went swimmingly for about nine years. And then one day out of the blue, I met a new refugee woman in a little town right by my house and found out she had been designing and constructing wedding dresses in Damascus, Syria. So a friend said, I wonder if she could help you. So I gave her some work and said, I'll come back to see you in about two weeks. And the next morning I got a text and she said, it's finished. And so she had stayed up all night to do the work. And so we became fast friends and she began working with me and just helping with all the quilting parts. So As one thing leads to another, like most companies do, it grew and she would introduce me to her friends or somebody else would hear and, you know, speed up to this day. uh, Let's see. Now we've been in business about five or six years as Tandem Quilting Co. And we have eight ladies working with us currently. And they are from Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Burma, Pakistan. And we've had a few others along the way that went on to other jobs from other countries as well. But this company is very different. We don't have a studio. We wish we did, but well, it was my wish. It was my dream, but that is not what helped these women. And so as a new refugee in a new country to them, they didn't have a car. They didn't have daycare. So what the way we do it, we kind of pivoted and I go visit them. Hmm. And when I bring work over to them, they make a strong pot of tea. And we sit and visit for a good long while. And then we talk about work. And nice. so it's, it's a very different way to work, but it's lovely because we've gotten to know each other as, as friends and family and sharing each other's journeys along the way. But That's fantastic. So the, the women that you are now working with that are refugees, were they mm-hmm. quilters already or just sewists? Uh, how, did, how did you or how are you guys working together? And what is the actual work that they're helping with or that you're they're working right. together on? No, none of them were quilters. I'm not sure. You know, most of these women are from the Middle East and that's not really a thing over there. Mm-hmm. But they also learn how to sew at a very young age, probably four-ish with their grandmother. You know, it's a much more of a communal living. And so one of the few items they would bring with them when they came over to whatever country they were going to, but for the ones I've met here in America, um, was their sewing machine. And so, you know, once you have those skills, you can really do anything. And so once I would show them where we were headed with the sewing they were doing, they took on very fast. And so they can piece a quilt top, they can bind it, they can interface it, they can cut. Now, as a quilting company, we only have two long arms. And so one long arm machine is at my house and one is at a lady's name named Mesa. And her husband built out their garage so that they would have a place for it. That's really the only two machines we can afford right now. (laughs) So all the work we do either get, most of it gets all done at Mesa's house. And then I, I jump in when we're 
overflowing with quilts and she needs help. That's fantastic. So how did, you know, how did you meet the first person there? And then uh, obviously there are Mm. folks from all over the place. Where, where, where are you located and what is it about this location that has these refugees from all over the world? Fantastic question. So I live in Tucker, Georgia, which is a, a suburb of Atlanta. All of these refugees live in Clarkston, Georgia, which is about four miles from me. And it is the largest, well, this is how CNN states it. In a square mile, they have more people from, so it's like 80 different countries speaking 70 different languages. And so it's the most diverse square mile in America. And so the oh, only no. reason I, I, I know, I know, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, I we're we're going, 25 miles north of Atlanta here in Kennesaw. And I have no idea about Clarkston being that right. uh, diverse. Yes. They started getting refugees back in the 80s because it was close to transportation and they had an abundance of small apartments. And so all the different refugee societies, like the ones that resettle you and then come alongside and teach English and help people find jobs. They're just in abundance in Clarkston. So if you had to find yourself as a refugee in another country, that would actually be a good place to start. There's a lot of help available. So it's funny, a friend of mine started a coffee shop there called Refuge Coffee. And it was supposed to be like, this will be your welcome space. Like, how can you get out of your apartment, but not spend a ton of money, but also Mm -hmm. just feel welcomed by Americans and any people. And so I actually had started going to get coffee there. And I, you know, you meet people and somebody one day said, I really think you need to meet this friend of mine. And just one step like that can lead to more and more and more steps. So that's how it began. Very cool. Now, is this tandem quilting company working in tandem with these refugee women? Is this a, a nonprofit type organization now? Or is this you and your business providing a place for them to work and use the skill sets that they already have so that they can be contributing members of their own families and of course of the community? Is that more what the arrangement is like? Or are you trying to make this into something larger and more? Well, so in Clarkston, there was already two nonprofit sewing societies and they were pretty full. And I didn't know that at the time, but we are for profit. And so we don't have a board. We can't take donations, but we can grow as large as we want. And these ladies, we pay them a very fair salary. And because we've noticed along the way that refugees don't seem to get paid as well as your average American person. And so I thought, well, I just always think if I were in their shoes, I would hope someone would come alongside me and say, let me pay you what you're worth. And so that's what we've tried to do. So we're, we're small, we're not big, we don't pay for rent, but we try to funnel all the money back into the women so they can help their families, just like you said, become productive members of the society About half of our women have already become U.S. citizens and the other half are working on it. And so that's a lengthy and expensive process. It's not free. And so these are ways that we can help them raise money for things like that. That's that's wonderful. So take you take you further back. How did you get involved in sewing just 
to start with, I mean, is that something that's been in your family? Did you learn from a mother or how did you get involved in sewing or, or have the desire to sew at all? Right. Well, I was from a very artsy architectural family. We did not have any sewers in my family. My grandmother was a quilter, but she didn't she didn't teach me how to quilt. It actually came when a friend called when I was about 28, 29 years old and said, there's a group of us, about six girls. We all just are dying to do something at night. We all had small babies. And so we took a beginning quilting class and it just opened up a new world to me. Just the the playing with the colors and the fabrics and patterns and designs and prints. And it just, you know, made my heart happy to, to be able to do that. And so most of them have continued in some form or fashion, but I really took it on and, you know, it became a part of my life and a part in a business. So yeah, I didn't start till late. That's, I, I hear all these different stories and, and many of them start at a much younger age, but you know, every now and then there is someone who didn't get introduced to quilting or sewing or embroidery until sometime later in life. So up until that point, were you working in a career or were you an artist mm-hmm. of some sort or what? what, what? Mm-hmm. So I studied architecture in college. I did that for a, a couple of years. And then I moved on to an interior design firm. So that was really fun. I got to play with more fabric. But eventually I stopped to have children. And then for about eight or 10 years, I actually taught art in my home to about 40 kids a week. And so I I was just really missing art. And I don't know, I just found that I just felt like there was a, a missing link in our in our schools. You don't you just don't get a lot of art. Yeah. And so I would actually walk up to our elementary school and pick up about 10 kids and they'd come home with me and have a snack. And then we'd do art for an hour and then they'd go home and the next group would arrive. And so we began just like with the classics and like never doing anything for them, but letting right. them watercolor and just everything and learning from the masters. And eventually that led me into a, a job at a preschool to teach art to kindergartners. And that was really fun. So that's why I always tell my own children who are, you know, grown now, but you never know where a job's going to take you. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what step will lead to the next step. And actually, you know, I thought I would have this, my own quilt company for a a long time, but something better came along. And so now I, I hope I can do Tandem Quilting Co. for many, many years. That's, that's fantastic. So you, you were with this sewing group or quilting group and uh, what led to starting a business? I mean, how did that come about? Uh, just- yes. Well, our oldest had just started college and he went up to New York. And so we would try to go visit him and it was very expensive to get hotels and rent a car and the airplane yeah. tickets. And so I was thinking, how can I help with this? So we can still visit, but not leave the other three children at home. Or So anyway, I was at lunch one day with my best friends and I was telling them I had this idea and they said, don't sit on this. Go home, do something today. Don't let this become a, you know, a regret. And so I came home that day and I took apart my dining room. I got rid of the table, the chairs. I painted it this funky lime green color. And I thought, okay, I'm in business. (laughs) This is my new quilt studio. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) As of one afternoon. 
So, um, and then basically I just sort of started making things and taking pictures and sharing it with my friends and then they would share it with their friends and I just kind of slowly started getting business. And to this day, that is still how we get most of our business is word of mouth and which is the best because if somebody else can compliment you to your friends or their neighbors or whoever, that's the best. I always like to draw this distinction. So your business was quilting or were you actually piecing and quilting and selling the finished product? Or did you have customers bringing you their pieced tops and you were doing the quilting for them? Or was it some of all of that? A little of all of that. So our goal is to do custom quilts for people. So let's say somebody's having their child's getting married. They want a very special gift to give them in this couple's new colors for their queen size bed. And so they tell us all of that and they either go shopping with us or give us the the freedom to pick it out and show it to them, Mm. you know, with a smartphone. Or there's a lot of people that actually do the quilting, but don't have access to a long arm. Mm. And so we're a great option for them. And now actually, especially when like the bank account is a little low, we will go do a pop-up somewhere and we actually make extra baby quilts and little Burt cloths and things that we think can sell on a weekend. And we try not to do too much of that because you have to have a lot of inventory and a lot of extra money to do that. But we try to do that about four or five times a year and it just, you know, helps pay the women every month. So, Very cool. Yeah. So what was the time frame from the time you joined this group to the time that you decided to start a business? And, and how did you get your skill set to the place where you were felt qualified to mm-hmm. do quilting for money by, mm-hmm. by, that, by mm-hmm. that time frame? Did you have a teacher or someone that helped you along the way? I'm, I'm a big believer in taking classes and learning and growing. And I also kind of grew up with an entrepreneurial skill. Spirit. And so that part, the business part, didn't scare me. I wasn't sure how qualified I was, but I felt like, you know, I, I'd figure it out along yeah. the way. So actually what I did for a while is I, well, actually like three years, I rented time on a long arm quilt about 30 minutes away. And so I would keep taking classes with them and just, yes, getting better, getting faster. And then the year that I spent more money renting time on that machine, that that money could have bought a machine. Then I knew it was time. And so I took the plunge and and bought a longer machine. That's fantastic. So your learning was mostly online or or with the staff of the place where you were renting your machine or or where would you say that, you know, most of your skills were developed there, just self-taught? Yeah. I would say it's, it's, it's a combo of all three of those. I mean, I think, you know, repetition, 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 repeat. You just have to keep working at it and trying. And, and then I would take some classes online. And then anytime you're in a community of other sewers, they're always giving you tips. Yeah. And so I feel like that's an important thing is not to be so isolated that you miss out on that. Because that's one thing about the whole sewing world is they're always willing to help each other. and. Yeah. Have you tried this? Oh, here's a little shortcut for you. And so I I just think all of that helped. And and I think too, our main staple is is t-shirt quilts mm. because people are willing to pay for something that's special to them. Yes. Right. And so these are all their own. This is their story. And so a t-shirt quilt is not like quilting an heirloom quilt. It is 
it, you need to make it functional. It needs to be washable. That's you know, right. it needs to be sturdy. And so it wasn't like I needed 20 years of quilting under my belt to be able to do that. That's fantastic. I actually have a, a bag full of t-shirts literally to the left of my desk over here. Yes. <laughs> that I've already cut up and just need to send to somebody to design me a t-shirt yes. quilt. I can send Hello. that to you. Yeah, <laughs> I can send that to you along with some sulky tender touch. Because if you have never used that for stabilizing your t-shirts, when you make a t-shirt ah. quilt, you absolutely got to have some of that. So I can introduce you to tender touch if you've never had that. And yeah, I need to get <laughs> It's funny, I, we, my wife and I just uh, sold our home and we're literally living in a camper at the moment. We're waiting yeah. to build a new home up in Adairsville. And this bag of t-shirts was in my upstairs closet and I had just kind of forgotten about them. I had pulled them out a long time ago. One of our educators was actually going to make a t-shirt quilt for me and, and I never yeah. really finished it. I was supposed to kind of do the layout work for it and give it to her and I never did that. So... <laughs> Right. So now I, I have a source. I know someone <laughs> local. I can actually drive them to you and drop it off. Yes. You never know what a day holds. <laughs> right. That's fantastic. I love it. Well, outside of quilting, do you do any other kind of sewing or is quilting, is that just your thing? Is it just quilts? It's basically my thing. I tried years ago to make a Halloween costume and man, I suffered through that. And by the time I finished, it didn't even fit the child I was making it for. So... <laughs> I pretty much gave up right there. <laughs> oh, man. But you know, quilting, especially when you're just making the top, yeah. that is straight line stitching. Right. That part's easy. And so that's why when anybody says to me, oh, I could never quilt, I'm like, you'd be surprised. Of course right. you can. Right? If you can sew a straight line, you yeah. can do this. So. Well, where I get conflicted on that is there's a lot of math too, though, right? I mean, you know, depending on the type of pattern and, and the kind of piecing yes. that you want to do, so much cutting up and putting back together of mm -hmm. geometrical shapes. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of math. And I think because I studied architecture and I took a lot of math in college, it, that doesn't scare me. I mean, sometimes I actually have to draw it out so I can think about it, but also see it. Yeah. I, I guess I'm a visual learner. And so, yeah, I'm not too embarrassed to do that. Now, <laughs> have you taken your architectural background there and created your own quilt patterns and designs? Or do you use designs and patterns from other people? I have not done that. I really need to think about that. That's a great idea. We try not to use anybody else's designs. You know, we try to do our own thing, but sometimes it just evolves. I'm not sure I could say that I actually set out to create a design. It just happens. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to sound like I'm that intentional about it. Sure. Very cool. <laughs> now, obviously, getting started in the quilting industry is, um, as you said, there's a lot of people in this business, especially women, that are very helpful and sharing mm. and giving. And I, I just wonder, has there been anyone in particular, other sewists or makers in the mm. business that have been integral in your journey or helped you in some way that mm. um, has been important to, to where you're at today? Gosh, there's so many. And if I said their names, I'd probably get their first name and last name mixed up. <laughs> But I, the key with that is not to be scared to ask questions. And so anywhere I ever was, I tried to just sort of humble myself and say, I'm 
I'm not really sure I knew what you meant by that. Or could you show me or, you know, just to be open to always learning a new task. And I don't know if I could say, you know, any particular one person, it would just be a lot of different people. I will say we used to have this amazing local quilt shop near us and it's since gone out of business, but I could spend hours there. And I, I felt like I learned a lot from everybody that worked there about, well, no, you don't have enough contrast there. Or why don't you try this fabric? Or they were looking at things differently than I was. And it always helps to be around people like that to stretch it, you know, stretch your ideas. Absolutely. What are you sewing right now? What are you working on? And you have a big project going on or multiples? What what, what are you working on? Yes, yes. Right now on my kitchen floor is laid out a huge quilt for a gal that's done about 35 Ironman contest. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And so I... I, her, her friend is doing that for her. So that's amazing. We have, gosh, several t-shirt quilts in the makes. We have memory quilts, which I would never have thought about, but you know, when grandpa or grandmother dies and it was a really meaningful person to their family, Mm -hmm. sometimes we might get an order for seven or eight quilts and divide up those clothes, the jeans, the hats, the shirts. And we just try to make it almost like a a fabric collage Mm. of that life. So each person has something they can touch and be comforted by from that person. So The other thing we do, we have a couple little things that we give to our newer people just to have things to do when they're not working on a quilt is we take scraps and we make greeting cards with them and we just, anybody can do it. So simple, but zigzag around the fabric. Well, we glue the fabric on a card, zigzag, and then we actually even zigzag across the back of the envelope and it makes a really nice little gift or you send somebody four or something. And we sell those in coffee shops around Atlanta We weren't really selling anywhere until COVID hit. Yeah. And then I don't, you know, I think we all remember those first few weeks when nobody could find a mask. They were all going to the hospitals. And so during that time, we actually hired more people because we would, we put the word out. We'd say, I mean, plus it was hard to find fabric. So we'd say, we're making masks. We're donating them to hospitals. We're giving them to the fire department, wherever, da, da, da. If you just leave us some fabric on my front porch, we'll make sure that gets turned into masks. And every day I would come home and I didn't know how many boxes would be there, but people wanted to help. They, you know, they already had fabric or elastic. Elastic was hard to find. Right. So during that time, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't even know how many masks we made, but that was, that was a great thing to be able to feel like you're helping. And, Absolutely. and then eventually when we kind of made sure the hospitals were good, as, as so many other quilters and sewers were doing, then we shifted and said, well, how do we get them into the hands of everyday citizens? And so we started just asking coffee shops, would you let us put up a little thing and then they can buy it from you? And so now actually we're still kind of doing that. So it just that hasn't sort of led to a supply chain for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> But I I think one of the cool things about quilting and, you know, is you, even if you ever go see like a a museum show, you learn that like quilting really almost breeds community and it, it, it just, there's something about it. And, you know, the G's Ben ladies and all of it, it just, it's done together. And my grandmother remembers her grandmother, you know, on Sunday afternoons, they would lower 
the thing across the kitchen table and like eight women would work on it. And then when it came supper time, they just hoisted it back up. And, you know, kudos to them for the patience of hand sewing and hand quilting. I made one hand sewn quilt and it took me 10 years. So... (laughs) Yeah, that takes a a special breed in today's world, right? (laughs) Yes, for sure. For sure. Speaking of of hand quilting as sort of a a separate technique, is there something else in quilting that are in sewing in general that you've Mm -hmm. always kind of wanted to try, but you have yet to try your hand at? kind of on your sewing bucket list, if you will? Yes, for sure. I would love to do anything with hand. Yes. And either I've seen some women that like decorate jeans with just beautiful colors and thread that just make these amazing patterns that you could never buy anywhere. That is on my bucket list. And also even that adding it to quilts too, so that like, I couldn't do that for every customer, but I could do it for my family (laughs) where you have, you know, just a pattern that you could go in on top of the piecing and add some hand hand stitching. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. I wonder wonder if some of your refugee lady friends uh, have brought some of those techniques uh, with them. For sure. They are honestly anything with a needle, they can do it. And a lot of times people can even say like, here's a picture of something I used to have. Could you recreate this? That's no problem. You know, they're just, they're, they're quick learners and they're not scared to try. Yeah. So, yeah. Now in your sewing room or in your quilting studio, are there certain gadgets, tools, notions that are just kind of must haves for you? Like what, what, what are your go-to tools, the things that you just say, gosh, when I sit down to, to create a quilt, I have to have my Mm. butt. Well, I don't know if you can see it, but yes, you know, with a rotary cutter, there's always that chance of stitches and But yeah, the first thing would be the invisible mat and rotary cutter. Can't start a quilt without that. And then sadly to say, you have to have a seam ripper. There's, you know, <laughs> the sewing backwards of things. And going to happen I, sooner or later. It is. It is. I use a knit picker, which is okay. what like crochet knitting people use. But we use it on a big quilt when we've stopped in the middle and we have a knot and we need to bury that thread. We can use a knit picker okay. to do that. Yeah. I think it's just a nice, clean look. I know some people can just like tie a really good knot and trim it really close, but I don't want somebody in five years coming back to me and saying, oh, these threads came undone or something. You know, I want to be yeah. sure they can wash it a million times and no problem. Let's see. Oh, there was another thing I wanted to say. Well, of course we love our sulky thread. Can't live without that. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> Also, I like the fabric sheets that can go into a printer. It's kind of a silly thing, but if somebody says, is there any chance I could put a picture of grandpa on this quilt or on a marriage quilt, the the bridal couple? Yeah. That's how we do it. We, you know, we download a picture from them. We send it through the printer. Works great. I use it for labels on the back of quilts if somebody wants to say... We love you to the moon and back. Then we can make a label and add it with fabric. And so that's, that is a little something we use a lot. I'm sure I'm forgetting some big things on, on the long arm, like without the thick acrylic straight ruler, I could never make any kind of straight line. You Mm. just, it's moving too fast. Yeah. Circles and swirls are great, but a straight line, you'd really have to have the ruler for that. Yeah. If you've not tried them before or ever heard about them, our iron-on transfer pins, which are actually permanent marking pins, 
might be something interesting for you to think about for when you're making a memory quilt or uh, something of that nature where someone yeah. wants to include the actual handwriting, let's say, of someone oh. because you can take a handwritten note or um, a card or something of, of that oh. nature and you can trace it from the backside using an iron-on transfer pin and then flip it back over and iron that down right onto the fabric and have an exact duplicate of that handwriting that's now permanent on the the fabric that you just transferred it to. So I have to send you one of those to... Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah, we have them in eight different colors. (laughs) Every day, you learn something. Yeah. Oh, yes. I will totally try that. Yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll send you some of those to play around with. Maybe you'll <laughs> find a, a good use for those in your memory quilts. Absolutely. Yes. So when you're not sewing, what else might we find Elizabeth interested in? What other types uh, of things? I mean, I know you're an artist and, and hopefully you still get to enjoy doing that. But what, what other mm-hmm. kinds of things do you enjoy doing? You know, I think probably as any mom for years, I was just like the chauffeur to my children to all their different activities. And so now my youngest just graduated from college. And so a whole new world has opened up and I find myself wanting to be outside more. And so I love finding a good hike or Stone Mountain is five minutes for me, you know, I know probably people on a podcast don't know where that is, but anyway, a nice little (laughs) hike to the top of a granite monolith. Yes. And just honestly, like most people just being with friends and having coffee and talking and just getting to know people all the time. Yeah, that's great. You you certainly live in a part of the country that makes doing things outdoors nice, right? I always tell people it's one of the nice things about living in North Georgia and the Mm. weather is fantastic. You just have a good change of seasons. It's it's a little warm right now of course yes <laughs> but that doesn't last all year right we have no, a nice no. fall and a, and a, and a fairly yes. decent winter and then we're back to spring where the weather's great so yeah you live in a great For place sure. to spend time outdoors yeah well I, i'm sure that you know I, i've always said as an industry that we're not really selling thread and notions and fabric and, and all of those things but what we're really kind of selling is that sense of accomplishment that, that pride the, the feeling that you get from creating and i just wonder you know do you agree with that or do you believe that and and how do you feel like that especially with what you're doing with tandem quilting do you feel like that idea or that feeling is adding something just a little extra to especially in the lives of the refugee women that you work Mm. with is that concept even greater with those folks Mm. uh, in giving them the confidence to to go out and do other things you know in a strange country and with strange culture and other things that they're not familiar with is that somehow giving them the confidence to do other things. Do you, do, you, do you agree with that or think that? I'm so glad you said that because that's probably like the number one thing I should have said is, you know, when we work with someone that has come from a country that has not, let's just say celebrated women. Mm-hmm. So we get somebody from a Pakistan or Afghanistan. They probably not been in school since they were about 10 to 12. Mm. Um, They were then made to stay home. They've never had a job. They've never had a paycheck. And so even though a lot of them are very leery of me putting their faces on any kind of social media, I 
always take a picture when they get their first paycheck. And then I make sure I don't want it going to the husband because (laughs) he didn't do the work. And so I'll say like, you don't have a bank account. Let me take you right now and we'll go open one because this is huge for them. It's huge for many people, but especially if you've never been allowed to do that before. And so, I mean, the smiles on their face is huge. And then actually there's a whole group of people that think, you know, I might know somebody that can make this quilt for us, but I'd really like to support these women. And so they, they might choose us intentionally just mm-hmm. for that fact. And then, yes, like you said, to watch them finish something and they show it to me and it's like, is it good? Is it good? You like, you like, <sighs> and you know, I'm just like, oh my goodness, you did the best job. And I mean, and you know, if they didn't, we have to fix it. That that's part of the process, but sure. it's, it's so rewarding for me to see how happy they are. Yeah. And you're right. Once they gain a little self-confidence, then we can say, do you want me to go with you to a parent meeting at school? Because that would have been something they would be very scared of, mm-hmm. you know? Anyway, so you're, you're exactly right. And isn't that true for all of us? Once we gain a little bit of, you know, I did it, then we're not scared for the next challenge. Right. And yeah. So, I love that sewing can do that for lots of folks, you know, that it's, yes. it's not only a creative outlet, but it is something that helps produce confidence and value, right. I think. And have you ever heard of another group of people that are so generous? Like no. any disaster that happens in the world, those people, they're getting together, they're making those quilts, they're sending them off. No. I mean, they love their fellow man. You know, yes. it's just, it's a beautiful thing. It is. And it has no uh, geographic bounds, right? I think that same mm. thing could be said about that community worldwide, really. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, darn, it was awesome getting to talk to you today, Elizabeth. I appreciate the work that you are doing in your community there and especially with uh, refugee women. But I mean, also, obviously, this is a business for you and and, uh, glad that you are part of our awesome industry, but especially the work that you're doing there with refugees, I think is fantastic. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, we Well, I was just going to say, we have a lot of fun, you know, just like anytime you're working together with someone and you're, like you said, producing. Oh my gosh. How fun is that? Absolutely. And now if our listeners want to learn more about what you're doing and and your company, uh, the best place to go is tandemquiltingco.com. So that's correct. T-A-N-D-E-M quiltingco.com. Correct. Awesome. Well, Elizabeth, again, thanks for joining us today. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can, uh, we can maybe meet in person at some point. I could bring these t-shirts down to to Tucker. Yes, absolutely. That would be a blast. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again. And I hope you have a great day. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, Have to take care. You do the same. Thank you for listening to Why So With Sulky. Give us a rating or a review and be sure to shop your favorite Sulky products, including threads, stabilizers, kits, and more at sulky.com.